नमस्कारम सत्काल जय जिनेन्द्र एंड वंदे मातरम एवरीवन सर्वेभ्यो नमः वेलकम टू कर्म क्षेत्र थैंक यू फॉर ज्वाइनिंग मी टुडे द टॉपिक ऑफ टुडेज मोनोलॉग इज वीगन हिंदू now before jumping into the core topic uh, for the benefit of all the listeners uh, especially the ones who may not know or perhaps not clear uh, i'll just spend some time on defining or like explaining what being vegan is okay so what is a vegan uh, so vegan primarily is anyone who is uh, refraining from products that originates from animals so while a more popular definition or a more popular understanding is that it's mostly like the food products <coughs> that uh, vegans uh, typically uh, look for when it comes to you know animal sourcing or rather not having animals sourced uh, but it's not necessarily just in food products because a lot of uh, you know other products like clothes or accessories or bags or things like that which are made of uh, you know animal products like leather or are some cosmetics which get animal tested so vegans will normally avoid that as well as much as possible and as much as you know it depends on you know whether it's a necessary product or it's not or uh, uh, and a lot of companies actually have gone into you know avoiding animal testing altogether there are many products which are for leather so a lot of uh, many companies are now <clears throat> going completely animal free uh, in their products so yeah so a vegan would go into that when it comes to food a vegan is someone who just avoids dairy and meat uh and when it said when we say dairy everything dairy like right from milk till cheese the dairy version of cheese or uh, butter ghee uh things like that anything which originates from <clears throat> milk uh having said that a vegan in a vegan diet includes grains fruits vegetables pulses lentils beans oils spices condiments syrups like maple and agave uh which are like substitute to honey uh non dairy milk includes soya almond coconut oat cashew macadamia rice and many other <clears throat> new uh you know emerging non dairy milk alternatives so yeah we eat a lot we can be it need not necessarily be healthy so but yeah vegan diet includes a lot of things so you won't be starved for sure uh okay so that is about you know who is a vegan <clears throat> i have been vegan myself for more than about 5 years now and i wouldn't say 100% still but definitely like if i need to a percentage i would probably say around 95% and like 5% will mostly include when you when we're going to someone's place and they are not we'll try we'll tell them but we don't want to you know uh, give them trouble as well because uh, 
this requires some specific adjustments as well. So uh, we tend to be a little flexible there. Or if we are out traveling somewhere, sometimes we may not get an option and we go for vegetarian in that case. Uh, but yeah, definitely nothing more than vegetarian. Yeah. Uh, OK. So vegan is fine. but. The title is Vegan Hindu. So what is so Hindu about that? Like, why am I, why did I place the word Hindu in that? <clears throat> so there are a couple of reasons. Number one, a majority of the discourse on veganism is from the Western perspective. Now, to be fair, at least based on what I've searched and what like Time magazine says, veganism started in the western world in like so around november 1944 and this i'm pulling it out from the time magazine's article uh around november 1944 a british woodworker named donald watson announced that because vegetarians ate dairy and eggs he was not going to create a new term he was going to create a new term called vegan to describe the people who did not, but did not, he means did not eat dairy and eggs. Tuberculosis has had been found in 40% of Britain's dairy cows the year before. And Watson used this to his advantage, claiming that it proved the vegan lifestyle protected people from tainted food. Three months after coining the term, he issued a formal explanation of the way the word should be pronounced, vegan and not vegan. Apparently, that's how it was pronounced, I guess, before that. <clears throat> so he wrote this in his new Vegan Society newsletter, which had 25 subscribers at that time. By the time Watson died, at the age of 95 in 2005, there were 250,000 self-identifying vegans in Britain and 2 million in the US. So, okay, so coming back uh, to my point, a majority, like majority of the discourse uh, on the veganism and talk about it is all from the Western perspective. And while there are people from the Eastern uh, hemisphere uh, who are also vegans, uh, I think either they are not loud or th uh, they are not like heard or there's not enough <clears throat> voice around that. And so I wanted to put something out there um, and I'll explain like how, why this matters. Uh, secondly, the veganism and now when it comes to veganism in India, at this point, I get an impression that it's mostly among elites. And uh, so there is a certain amount, certain perception around that because of that. Uh, and the problem with the elites is they don't really talk about a Hindu perspective and not necessarily like Hindu faith, but just uh, a Hindu's perspective based on the daily experiences of Hindus, an average middle class Hindus. Uh, so it's not that because even so even there is a very westernized one which does not really sometimes take into consideration India's ground realities 
and I'll, I'll actually come to that when we'll talk about this in detail. Uh, the third point, or maybe this is the fourth point, but the third point is basically there are a lot of morons with megaphones in India uh, when it comes to veganism. Peta being the loudest one. Uh, so there's, there are very few people who are actually taking things objectively without really being, you know, ideologically driven or uh, idealistic about a lot of things. Uh, and last point, uh, why I wanted to talk about this was that veganism invited a lot of critique to me when last time I visited India. And this was when even I didn't really, didn't even ask anybody to become vegan. So that got me thinking that, okay, so I need to, you know, understand the whole thing more and sort of prepare a case on <clears throat> why am I doing, what am I doing, and, uh, you know, what, how what does it make sense? So, uh, so in this podcast, I'll talk about some aspects I mentioned as reasons uh above uh, but also we'll try to you know uh bust some misconceptions especially about the hindu slash indian perspective regarding veganism all right so let's go one by one uh first so about peter uh peter india and veganism uh now unfortunately when it comes to veganism uh in india Peta makes a lot more noise than anyone else. Uh, at the same time, Peta India is probably also the worst ambassador of veganism or the, or the vegan people, especially in India. It has been hurting vegans more than helping, if at all. A large part of it comes from you know Peta's own record of dealing with animals and its hypocrisy with the messaging which is you know targeted only towards specific communities in india where they know that they will not receive a violent response so that sort of doesn't really sit well with masses and especially in the era of uh, technology and social media where these things get apparent very easily uh, people you know <coughs> people remember and a lot of people track of what you said earlier and what you said, what you're saying now and things like that. So, uh, and PETA has a very pathetic record on that. So, uh, secondly, like PETA also appears to have absolutely no understanding of the ground realities in India and is, you know, simply copy pasting the tactics they use in Western countries. Uh, otherwise, you wouldn't really see them. Uh, you wouldn't expect them to throw in you know, this Rakshabandhan, go leather free, uh, when nobody really wears leather rakis. And you know, asking people to treat cows as sisters in a country that treats cows as mothers uh, really shows how really disconnected you are from you know the ground realities or the Indian ethos, Indian culture, or rather in this case, like more specifically Hindu culture. Uh, and uh, to add you know to add fuel to fire, they end up giving awards to celebrities who 
end up celebrating turkey dishes just after the few just after few days of, of receiving those awards and not to forget the mind blowing che- fact checking that happened on it so this happened i think a couple of years ago when peta uh, basically awarded uh, shilpa shetty uh, some award on uh, you know like hero to animals award for uh, and i quote for her exemplary work which includes speaking out against the cruelty of circuses signing a petition asking the government to uphold the ban on jallikattu bull races and bull fights and adopting a stray kitten so basically these three four things they awarded her and about 5 days later the same celebration pashati she shares a roast turkey recipe video on her youtube channel uh, uh which she runs you know the name with the name by the name of the art of loving food and where she shares many other non veg recipes uh perfectly fine your channel your kitchen you cook whatever you want you share uh, whatever you know, you want uh, but you would expect someone like peta to do some background check and understand the uh, who you are gi- giving the award to and when this was highlighted on the co- instead of accepting it there's this news meter meter.in that did some fact check which said you know yeah they are doing that like she's doing that peta honored shilpa shetty and she shared a recipe of uh, roast turkey on her youtube channel but the award was given for her work with peta uh, so yeah like theoretically or technically you are trying to get out on the on the basis of technicality but that doesn't really sit well and it's also a hypocrisy that peta regularly targets pretty much all hindu festivals be it rakshabandhan diwali holi jallikattu janmashtami but then you know goes abajabadaba on other festivals so yeah like in the nutshell peta doesn't really uh represent the vegans uh definitely not in india and probably not anywhere in the world as well <clears throat> now coming to you know the certain one more thing which you know gets uh, surprisingly thrown at vegans uh, in india is that veganism is anti cow and you know now giving some background around this like india has been struggling for decades around cow smuggling within india as well as uh, outside india as well and this doesn't really happen without cattle theft and uh, even a single cow stolen can wipe out a major source of you know income for an indian farmer um, uh, like between 2015 and 2017 if you look at the numbers 56000 more than 56000 cattle smuggling cases were registered in india uh and these were the ca- cases not cattle uh according to the data shared by the south bengal frontier or the bsf in 2019 29720 cattle heads that's like 81 daily 
were seized in 2019 and the, the, the numbers that made it through will definitely be higher these are the these were the, the ones which were seized and this is just the bangladesh border well the number did come down in 2020 but that has a lot more to, like to do with covid lockdowns it also needs to be noted that you know these statistics are just for the cross-country smuggling the statistics for smuggling within india are extremely hard to find if at all they exist uh, like the just the illegal slaughterhouses alone were estimated to be 30000 across india and this was from um, you know one of the articles uh, by news spread um, there are organizations like cow connect foundation that has less, like saved thousands of cows in gujarat alone and like Akhnibir in delhi ncr and i think even in gujarat that rescues about I don't know, 15 20 cows daily um, just an estimate so one need to understand this and remember like as i mentioned earlier like even a single cow stolen can put a dent on a farmer's you know, source of like income so to answer the question if veganism is anti-cow no animal slaughtering is and vegans don't slaughter animals but you know who does yes okay coming to you know uh, adopting vegan in you know uh, so how can you go about you know adopting veganism in dharmic manner this was like one another thing which i was thinking like does our you know the sacred texts uh, talk about it or anything and uh, from so far i know i don't think there's anything specific about veganism itself uh, like many hindus especially like vegetarians have become of resentful of veganism particularly because of the dairy angle more than the meat angle and pita has just made it worse uh, now compound it with constantly undermined issue of cattle smuggling which i just talked about earlier that is ignored by mainstream media due to secularism quote unquote i would say uh, even though wrong one can understand where the resentment comes from but then you know there are many idiots which will allege that veganism will lead to more animals ending up in slaughterhouses which is absolutely ridiculous uh, slaughterhouses function because there are people who consume meat not vegans not because of vegans uh, <clears throat> a big part of misconception around veganism is also that it is a western construct and is not really aligned to dharmic values yes like those are also the, like, like people who are like who are there like that uh, while it may be true that that the concept of veganism comes from the west we need not adopt it as it is without applying our brains we also don't need to reject it just because it comes from the west uh, there's no harm in deconstructing the whole concept and seeing which parts can be adopted and to what extent which parts can take time to create a suitable ecosystem or like atmosphere and which parts don't really make sense at all in indian indian context all these like need to take place you know keeping in mind the ground realities of india and not just at a country level but even at a micro like individual level uh and like if you believe uh, there's a channel called fit tuber which i absolutely love uh he, that guy makes amazing videos uh 
in one of his videos he mentioned um and i quote nowhere in the ayurvedic scriptures it has been mentioned that milk should be a mandatory part of diet okay so veganism is definitely not against sanatana dharma and that's my personal conviction as well even like without the above evidence i can clearly see this it's nothing anti sanatana dharma okay so come on coming to the next part another misconception which is there in india is that veganism is sort of a rich class thing only rich people do it only elites and uh, you know uh, only you know people with high amount of money can you know afford that kind of lifestyle which is not really true uh, unfortunately it has been portrayed by the popular culture as very this south bombay urban elite culture and expensive lifestyle like you know being vegan means you only eat salads exotic fruits vegetables like you know, avocado you have to eat kiwi you have to eat quinoa kale <clears throat> and you know you only drink almond milk you don't drink anything else uh, this is highly inaccurate when it comes to veganism uh, what indians forget is that most of our vegetarian cuisine is inherently vegan at least like some of the non punjabi non paneer cuisine uh, i can still enjoy poha or upma in the morning with coconut chutney and have alu matar sabzi with paratha in lunch and enjoy a bangan bharta with chapati in dinner uh, like vegan food includes all kind of grain spices beans i said before like all vegetables fruits just imagine the combinations and in fact some of the sweets like chiki and son papdi are vegan as well and when one starts to looking they'll definitely find more so in fact like turning vegan can actually drive down your grocery bill if you would not be buying that expensive meat eggs and processed uh, dairy products uh, even when it comes to non dairy milk one can be smart about it to find solutions some of which are already available i find it very funny uh, when you know people whenever they have to critique veganism in india is like oh almond milk is so expensive and uh, how can you do you expect people to you know drink almond milk when you know almond is like these many rupees per kg and you know how, how can you expect that it's you know this is like saying you know oh indians cannot afford car look at the price of rolls royce or a more tangible example is what you know are uh, uh, eminent p chidambaram said when you know digital transactions was being talked about in uh, lok sabha where he said that oh do you expect all small vendors to who have a pos machine everybody to have a credit card and you know swipe that card on that no not really like there can be different solutions which you have probably not imagined which probably doesn't exist in the world but will exist in india because it works for india so like giving this almond milk uh <clears throat> uh straw man i would say is exactly that kind of argument which pichidambaram 
or you know the, about the rolls noise argument which i made it is very convenient for you know amul uh, to compare their milk with almond milk uh, because that is probably the most expensive non dairy milk uh nut milks are of various types like soy cashew coconut rice oats macadamia even peanut milk and so on and a quick look so when i go into you know if i make a quick look on nature's basket website it uh, sort of you know reveal like the unsweetened soy milk in india is about 135 rupees per liter now compare this to about 44 to like 56 um uh, price of amul taza oh it is like 60 64 actually so you have so good soy milk unsweetened 1 liter available at 135 and amul taza on big basket i see it's available at 64 rupees per liter so compare these two the so the non dairy milk in india is actually already close to 2x or 3x let's say let's stretch it a little bit 2x 3x the price of the dairy milk contrary to what 6x difference amul is projecting <clears throat> and the gap increases further when we talk about the a2 deshi cow milk which is typically close to around 100 rupees per liter and let's not forget the plant based milks right now don't have the economies of scale that the dairy industry has so definitely not the one amul has so as the demand increases the competition increases there will be more players in the market there will be more consumption the price will drop and so comparing the price of a large scale dairy milk with that of a small scale plant based milk is sort of unfair if i talk about north america where i am the non dairy milk used to be expensive but as the demand increased the wholesale shops like costco have started stocking non dairy milks as well and like a carton of an organic soy milk in canada uh which is like a 6 by almost 1 liter it's almost like 5.6 liter if we, of six packs uh, it costs about Ten and half dollars, which turns out to be, if I convert it to INR, it's one hundred and thirteen per liter. Compare that to regular organic two dollar two percent milk, and I'm comparing organic with organic because the soy milk is organic. Organic. So the organic two percent milk is about eight and half Canadian dollars, which is about like a little more than five hundred rupees for a four liter pack. which turns out to be 127 and half per liter and we talked about the organic soy milk which was 113 per liter so you can see the difference like the organic soy milk is cheaper than the organic 2% milk and this is just like at one place the prices will vary but broadly this is like within the same range and we are comparing organic with organic so don't come to me with the 2% milk c uh, you know this is very cheap yes it's cheap but it's not organic so you have to compare like that 
Now, if you want to, you know, just close your eyes and say like, okay, but, but, but in India, it is still expensive. Then let's excuse the people who can't buy the expensive non-dairy milk. What is the excuse for the ones who can buy? Maybe you can skip sending those thousand, spending those thousand bucks on shitty Bollywood movie and a popcorn or a third class overpriced restaurant and instead buy stuff that's actually helpful to you. Not just helpful to you but helpful to environment. Now, let's talk a bit about Indian dairy industry. I'm going into that as well, because uh, <clears throat> while it's an important part of our Indian culture, we need to understand certain realities as well and understand what exactly is the part of our Indian culture, because not the entire industry is a part of our culture or ethos, like the way it tries to project so it needs to be understood that the case against dairy products is due to heavy industrialization like factory farming in the dairy industry while it may be less brutal than the beef farming uh, there's an argument against that as well but, but you know like, there's still brutality be it the practice of injecting antibiotics injecting hormones using machines that vacuum the udders to extract the milk, artificial insemination, the risk of mastitis, or the practice of separating calves at birth. So even keeping the emotions out, this is a very unhygienic and potentially harmful uh, to humans as well eventually. Potentially harmful way of running the dairy industry, and yet it happens. Now, when it comes to India, a common argument is that factory farming doesn't happen here. Uh, we as a society, especially the Hindus, have always treated cows as a mother. And when you visit villages, cows are taken care of like a family member. Very true. Uh, now, let's take a look at one of the facilitator guide by ASCI, which is the Agricultural Skill Council of India uh, for the dairy farmer. Uh, so this guide, to be fair, like it does not discourage, discourage insemination. Uh, there are also sections on modern mach milking machines, uh, which are the vacuum pumps. Although, like to its credit, it does discourage hormonal injections. Uh, this one study which clearly mentions that the usage of milking machines and one of the main responsibilities of milk union as artificial insemination administration. Uh, so farmers in Gujarat also use milking machines to extract milk from cows, as the article mentions. So there's an article on by the Hindu business line. And let me just pull one quote from there. Uh, so take Shirishbhai Vithalbhai Patel from Chikhodra, four kilometers from Amul's Anand Dairy. This 47-year-old farmer has 200 cows and 60 heifers and sells 1,800 liters daily. His animals are entirely machine-milked at a parlor operating from 5.30 to 8.30 in the morning and likewise in the evening. So if one is under impression that the dairy industry in India is still very pristine, then the above information should burst the bubble. 
uh, yes, definitely it is still way less factory farm than the West. Uh, but it's still there. <clears throat> now let's come to Amul for a while. You know, uh, 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 you know that has tried to like portray itself as a torchbearer of Hindu cow worshipping culture by invoking Lord Krishna, uh, not Shri Krishna or Prabhu Shri Krishna, but Lord Krishna in her in their ad and holy cow. Uh, now, where, while they are 100% right about the cultural part, using that to defend yourself when across India, Amul model is used for machine milking and artificial insemination. And to sh actually go on to say that dairy farming is good for the cattle is quite a bubble they are living in, or I would say self-fulfilling prophecy. <clears throat> if we go a little deeper into Amul's offering of raw milk, like Amul has a bit of confused product range. Like you have Amul Desi A2 cow milk, you have Amul cow milk. So the Amul cow milk, it's not Desi A2 since there is a separate brand of Desi A2. Then there is Amul Gold, which doesn't specify whether it is cow or buffalo. Uh, you have Amul Taza as well, which is again, doesn't specify whether it is cow or buffalo. You have Amul Chai Maza, which is a homogenized milk that doesn't form a cream layer in tea. Uh, you have Amul Slim Trim, you have Amul Shakti, you have Amul Diamond, which has the high, highest fat content. You have like Amul Tea Special, uh, you have Amul Buffalo Milk. And the packaging in Amul Buffalo Milk, if you go into uh, you know uh, Amul's website, the packaging it says uh, A2 milk. So Amul has Amul Deshi A2 cow milk and then Amul buffalo milk where the packaging says A2 milk. So the question is, what are the rest? A1 milk? Amul needs to print like that information very clearly on the pack. Now, if you look at one of the interviews by the Amul MD, Rupinder Singh Sodhi, <clears throat> in an interview to the Prince uh, Shekhar Gupta, provided he provided like a bit vague statements. Like one of them said, and I quote: uh, "Be assured that in India, you what you are drinking is A2 milk, as all buffalo and indigenous cow milk is 100% A2 milk." Quote ends. So does he mean to say that all of Amul's milk is either from buffaloes or indigenous cows? Uh, if that is true, what is Shirish Pai from Chikudra village doing with the 15 crossbred Holsteins from whom Amul packs the milk directly? And however, like amazingly, you know, the number comes down from 100% in the form of be assured to 90% in the very next statement. As he says, and I quote again, all HF Holstein Friesian, all HF crossbred cows produce 50% A2 milk and 50% A1 milk. So 90% of milk in India is A2 milk. Now, quote ends. Now, what he doesn't mention is how much of Amul's share is from that 10% A1 milk. 
assuming that the 90% figure is true. And if the majority of Amul's milk is A2, why do they have two separate brands, Amul Deshi A2 cow milk and Amul Buffalo milk, where the packaging mentions A2 milk? Uh, so you can't you can't have a spin-off of a mainstream product unless that spin-off is a minority. Like there's Maggie Masala noodles and then there's Maggie Atta noodles and Maggie Oats noodles because the later two are not 100% Maida. But Maggie can't come up with Maggie Maida noodles apart from the reason that it will be a marketing disaster. But like Maggie can't come up with Maggie Maida noodles because that's what Maggie Masala noodles is. So it doesn't really make sense. Now, there's a report by India Water Portal, which, uh, you know, uh, if you believe the numbers over there, like where most of the numbers are for the year 2012, 2013, greater than 50% of the milk produced in India is from buffaloes, while the crossbred account for like 22% of the total cattle population. Now, given that crossbreds have a higher yield, if we assume that the percentage share in the total milk production will be greater than 22%, so almost like 70, <coughs> oh, pardon, uh, so uh, at most like 78% of total milk production in country can have A2 milk. And so, and this is at a country level, not Amul. Again, like we, one must read the section, you know, livestock crossbreeding to understand how the crossbreeding basically destroys indigenous species and like all for what. Uh, there's another video which actually is really good uh, by FitTuber where uh, he has he has ranked uh, milks from worst to best. And like one must watch this video to see the reality of Amul like and other brands milk products. So. This video is titled Milk in India Ranked from Worst to Best uh, by FedTuber. Go to definitely go and watch it. Okay, so okay, so what is like conclusion of all this? Of all this, you know, uh, tale. So the dairy consumers in India will only make some sense if that dairy comes from a local dairy farmer. You know who is raising desi cow breeds, is not injecting hormones, is not using artificial insemination. You don't really artificially inseminate your family members, do you? <clears throat> and, and is not using machines to milk the cow. Like you may still want to take some liberty with the last point, uh, but then like we can't be riding on this high horse that dairy is for cattle's benefit uh, but like i don't see any reason why indians should encourage foreign breed cows whose milk is low on nutrition causes diseases and is difficult to digest yeah absolutely no reason also one also needs to understand uh, and think about like how much of the dairy in india is consumed in the purest form like that is milk if we think about it, a huge part, and I don't have numbers right now, but like a huge part of our dairy consumption 
I believe involves like processed cheese, mayonnaise, flavored drinks, and sweets and things like that. And like tall claims of dairy, and through this, like the tall claims of the dairy for nutrition in quotes, like that falls flat. Uh, one more argument again, uh, like uh, which I hear is also okay. Oh. Yeah, okay, dairy is this, dairy is that. But like, what will happen to all the farmers if everybody switched to, you know, non-dairy? What will, you know, and like, I find this like a very Sarkari argument. <clears throat> and I'll tell you why. Like, often used, like whenever there's a discussion on privatization or FDI in any sector, this is like, this is the argument. Like, what will happen to whoever is getting affected? What will happen to people who are in, you know, this thing for decades? Or like, oh, so many people will lose their jobs, will lose their livelihood. Okay, first of all, what people forget is <clears throat> that the vegan lifestyle causes a demand shift, not a demand decline. People won't stop eating the overall amount of food. They will only stop eating a certain type of food and inst instead eat something else. So they, and in case of <clears throat> uh, vegan... Uh, the drop in dairy demands shifts to agricultural products like lentils and nuts, and which are already an occupation of a lot of dairy farmers. And remember, <clears throat> India is like one of those rare countries that can grow three crops a year. So let's not blame vegans for the inefficiencies of Indian agricultural because that is which is largely because of government and politics, not a, not even because of farmers to a very large extent. <clears throat> and like to begin with like to let's not think of our farmers as not capable of learning anything new and in reinventing themselves and like going into <clears throat> a different ways of farming or changing the ways according to you know emerging technology and emerging demands so let's not think of so small of them them okay so to conclude so there are a couple of things i want to say uh, uh, like vegetarians might still be able to, you know, relate to this, uh, since this is their favorite pastime of non-vegetarians. Like they are also have been at receiving end, where, you know, one of the favorite things of non-veg non-vegetarians is to prove that you know so and so product has this point zero 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 one percent of, you know, animal products. Oh, so like you and me, we are the same, right? You know, yes, you're like half kg chicken is the same as that one brand of beer <clears throat> that use like gelatin to clarify the end product or you know there's a very small tiny amount of some animal product which got used um, to claim that a particular vegetarian product oh it is it has this animal product so it is non-veg so okay so start let's start eating chicken and pork and everything like but the funny thing is like however the same vegetarians won't shy away from applying these tactics to vegans now it is understood that <clears throat> many folks who are like you know 99% vegans are still contributing to uh, contributing by bringing down their dairy and meat demand to like 1% and mostly it will be a dairy demand rather than meat demand. Uh, 
<clears throat> but like that still means something. So you may maybe like you can ditch cheese, mayonnaise, a paneer, or ghee, and like ice cream. uh but let's say you can't ditch your morning tea uh that is still not bad or like maybe you reduce your mithai intake and limit it only to festivals that like and that too like when you're meeting a family and extended family let that be your cheat day so the idea is to minimize the harm to the environment and live in as much harmony with nature as possible and that is a very sanatani thing to do so with that i am concluding my talk and uh, so like that's the end of like today's episode uh, do let me know your thoughts critiques in the comment section uh, pardon my voice today and some interruption in between i'm not really perfectly well there's some throat thing going on <clears throat> uh if you have listened so far i really appreciate it if you have liked the content please press the like button subscribe to the channel and press the bell icon uh, as well if like if you are on youtube uh, this will help me get encouragement to you know create more such content for you uh, this is karmakshetra signing off jai somnath